Welcome to the Family Life Church Podcast. We hope you're blessed and encouraged to share this with someone you know. Subscribe or visit thefamilylife.org for more information. I'm looking at the book of 1 Corinthians and the third chapter. We're going to start at the 10th verse. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day, everybody say the day, the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, looking back to the 13th verse, the last phrase, of what sort? It is. That's what I want to speak to you about today, of what sort it is. Father, I pray that you would speak to us now, every one of us, expressly by the word, God, that's spoken, that's written, that's proclaimed, that's forever settled in heaven. And I pray now, God, that you would be glorified in us and through us, and that, God, that you would speak to us expressly with purpose and understanding, and that everyone in the sound of my voice would hear what thus saith the Lord that we might have ears to hear and lives to receive and respond to this, God. I thank you, Father, that you are alive in us and that you are in control. And so we put our trust in you. Anoint me and anoint this people, God. I love you and I thank you. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. One more time, would you just clap your hands here and give God praise. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for great grace. Thank you, God, for great mercy. Thank you, God, for great love. Paul, in his second letter to Timothy, warned, warned of those who would err from the truth, telling him to shun profane and vain babblings. For he said of that worthless talk that it would increase ungodliness. I'm going to repeat this statement. I wanted to set the time in the temple what I'm going to say following. Paul said to Timothy to shun profane and vain babblings, for he said of that worthless talk that it would increase ungodliness. Um, Here was this seasoned scholar of the word, a voice to the Gentiles, the one who would pen the majority of what the New Testament is, telling this young man to watch what conversations he entered into and entertained. Look at it if you would. Says this in Timothy, the second Timothy, the second chapter, the 16th verse, but shun, but shun profane and vain babblings. For they will increase unto more ungodliness, and the word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, 
having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. To be profane, let me break this down, so walk with me for a minute. To be profane was to not be sacred. Um, it was unbiblical, in other words. To be profane was unbiblical. It was opposing the nature and the truth of God. Uh, vain babblings was nothing more than worthless words. Now, hear this. Vain babblings was nothing more than worthless words. There was no profit to these words. There was no value. The words that were being spoken cost the speaker nothing. So there was no value to the words that were being spoken. They were just vain babblings. And so they cost the speaker nothing. So they could be said without any investment, in other words. Opinion given, but nothing paid for that opinion. And so he said of those worthless conversations that they increase ungodliness. That's what they do. That's the ultimate end result of vain babblings and profane speech. They increase ungodliness. This is, this is so profound. This is the fourth time I preach this message. And every time I speak this, this catches my heart and it catches my soul. He said that they were worthless conversations, that they increase ungodliness and they eat like a canker, attempting to overthrow the faith of some. His words were, to, they were direct to this, this young Timothy. They, they left little to no room for the entertainment of what was not right or what was not, what was not godly. It was strong meat. It was strong meat that Paul was asking him to consume, not just, not just the sincere milk of the word, but something more, something, uh, something was demanding a decision to be made on the part of Timothy uh, to not enter into these conversations, to not entertain them. But the petition, notice this, the petition of Paul was not just to Timothy. It was as well written for our admonition, the word says. It was being asked of us. It was being directed to you and I. Culturally and carnally, it is not the norm of the day that we are in. Spiritually determined, defined decisions and, and disciplines are often not wanted. And they're not tolerated right now in our world. But as Paul said of those who opposed what was right, this is important. Paul said of those that opposed what was right, it still did not change what is right. Even though there was the opposition to it, it still didn't change what was right. It could be done all day long, said all day long, but it wasn't going to change because he said, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. No matter the current or character or the carnality of man, no matter what the masses may say, the pride of humanity may endorse, the foundation of God standeth sure it remains, and God knows those that are his. Bottom line, the argument was settled. The debate was done. God knows. It doesn't change what's right. No matter what somebody says, no matter what the masses do, no matter the popular public opinion, God knows those that are his, and God's foundation will remain sure forever. Oh, Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Yes, it's easy in the coverings of man to learn to hide behind right responses and false fronts of knowing how to present what is expected. But all the while, forget that God sees not as man sees, for God looks at the heart. He sees into the soul of you and I. He goes beyond the shallow exterior, deep beneath the surface, the shallow soil of self and sin. His word is, hear me, the word of God is not, it's not only uh, strong enough to defeat a devil, 
but it is quick and powerful enough to discern what is in my heart and what is in your heart. Amen. It's the sword of the Spirit dividing asunder joints and, and marrow and, and soul and spirit and bone and marrow, soul and spirit. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Huh. What we do not know about ourselves, it knows. While we present one thing, it knows what the true motive behind that one thing is. My heart is desperately wicked. Your heart is desperately wicked. The truth of the matter is, we really don't know what's in our heart. Amen. The Bible tells us that. But the truth of the matter is, when our heart overwhelms us, he can lead us to a rock that is higher than we are. <clears throat> because of the truth that the word of God wells, his word is not content content to leave us as, as we are. It divides asunder, the word says. The word of God divides asunder. Do you know that's speaking about you and I? The word of God divides asunder through his mercy and it brings judgment. When we talk about the word of God, when you look at Psalms 119, whenever it's talking about the testimonies, the judgment of God, the word of God, it's all synonymous. So the truth of God, the truth of God, the word of God is judgment. We will be judged according to the word. Look at this if you would, please. Judgment Judgment is not just an event that we arrive at. I believe this is important to understand right now. Judgment is not just an event that we arrive at, but it is a process that we must go through. Um, David said it in Psalms 9-8 that he ministers. He ministers judgment to the people in uprightness. God will use the means of judgment or of truth, in other words, to reveal to us what must be dealt with and what is fractured and failing in our life. Uh, that's why uh, Christ said this. Um, he said, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You remember that in the word? You want to know why he said that? Because the closer you get to the light, the more that there is the revelatory work of God to reveal what is wrong. And so thereby people avoid the light so that they don't have to deal with the judgment of the light and the word of God revealing what is wrong and amiss in their life. God will use the means of judgment. God will use the means of the word to bring about those fractures and failings in our life to light. He ministers judgment. This is important. He ministers judgment. It's not just wrath that we often see it as. There is that attribute of God and that day of judgment that, that will ultimately be. We know that by the word of God in the New Testament that there will be the day of judgment or the day of wrath, the day of the Lord that will come. Yes, that will happen. But judgment or truth is the revealing and purifying fire of the spirit of God at work in us and for us. It ministers to us. The word of God, the judgment of God comes and it ministers to us. It is not against us. It is for the salvation of you and I. That's why John said of Jesus. Now, I'm not going to preach the whole Bible, but I'm going to be all over it for a while, so stick with me. That's why John said of Jesus that his fan was in his hand to thoroughly purge his floor. What was the fan in his hand? He said he's going to thoroughly purge the floor with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He was going to fan that flame so that that flame would purge the chaff that was coming off the precious seed so that there could be something profitable on the other side of it. We wonder what's going on and we wonder why we're feeling what we're feeling. Come on, somebody. Preach with me right now. We wonder what's happening all around us. Well, understand this. The Holy Ghost is at work and God's doing something profound in us if we'll understand it. But the, the, the problem is, is that we struggle with the fact that the work of God is not just a flash fire. Uh, that, that in other words, it's just quickly over and we can return to our comfort. We struggle with that. 
Because we look at the Word of God and we think in the mentality of our day and age that everything needs to be fixed in a half an hour because that's what we're told on a sitcom. Or that's what we're told in some movie, that everything's going to work out and we're cute when we're supposed to laugh and cry. And we can get our emotions tickled and stirred for a little bit. And then on the other side of it, everything's fixed. That's not life. And that's not reality. And that is definitely not the day that we are in right now. But instead, hear me, instead, the, the judgment of God can be a purifying fire that through the patient process of time works uh, for the benefit of our eternal soul. It purges the chaff. It reveals the dross that must be skimmed away in the gold and the silver of our life. Paul said, Paul said that we build on the foundation, which is Christ Jesus, the foundation on which the church stands, on which you and I stand. Hear me, somebody. It is not. It is not a denomination of man, nor is it a title of man, but the foundation of God standeth sure, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. It could be, should the Lord tarry, that 100 years from now, 25 years from now, five days from now, churches, buildings, denominations, organizations of man can come and go. But can I tell you, once all those things crumble and pass away and they dissolve by whatever means they dissolve by, can I tell you on the other side of it, the foundation of God standeth sure and that is Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that sure gives me hope to understand that the means of man, they may not prevail, but the sureness of God, it will stand the test of time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Paul said, we build on that chief cornerstone. Then he said this, look, now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, uh, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Uh, now I need to break this down, so just walk with me for a sec. Um, six unique differing elements or, or substances. Paul said could be used in, in the building of, of the foundation of Christ. Now, everybody look here. The foundation of Christ, and it's sure. We, we build on that chief cornerstone, the word said, who we believe in that we don't have to be confounded. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. We build on that foundation. We build with the elements on top of that foundation that structures our spiritual life as to what it is or as to what it should be. There were six elements that were given here. The first three, gold, silver, precious stones, were substances that would endure the trying of the fire. They were the things of God, in other words. Uh, the precious things, precious things. Everybody say precious things. They were the precious things like that of Hezekiah that were revealed to his enemy. Everybody stick with me on this right now. They were revealed to his enemy during a time of sickness that ultimately were taken from him and his children. Uh, do we realize right now, do we realize that right now the enemy is using this present spiritually and physically vulnerable climate that we are in to take from us things that should be of great value to us and in our life in God. Do we realize that's going on right now? Are we recognizing that in this spiritually and physically vulnerable moment that the enemy is trying to take, he's trying to give us, to get us to give up things that are spiritually valuable, things that have brought us thus far, making it easy for us to sacrifice, stick with me, making it easy for us to sacrifice eternal things just so we can feel secure in temporal things? Trying to convince us that, 
that eternal things, spiritual things, in the balance of all that is, weighs less than the temporal things, causing us to sacrifice those things. Can I tell somebody, hear me, I've said it in all the services before, and I'm going to say it to this one, we need to wake up. We need to wake up, we need the church, and we need what God offers through the church. I'm going to echo it again. I said it uh, numerous times before. I'm going to say it a little more loud. We need the church, and we need what God offers through the church. The precious stones were defined as stones that were obtained at a price. Uh, these were not stones. We look at this a particular passage, and we think that when he was talking about precious stones, that he was referring to a diamond or a ruby or a, or a sapphire, some stone of that nature. That's not what he was referring to. He was talking about precious stones. In other words, stones as marble or, or granite, uh, stones that were queried out, in other words, and, and they were hewn out by hand. It was, they, they were toiled after. They were, they were worked at. You, you understand what I'm saying? So these were precious, the marble, the columns that, 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 that the temple was built on and, and that made things stand and be secure. And he said, he said, we build on those things, the gold, the silver, and the precious stones. Um, hear me, many are sacrificing. Oh, in Jesus' name, God help me right now. Many are sacrificing spiritual things that were given to them that they did not pay a price for and thereby they do not value. Uh, be careful. Hear me, somebody. Be careful what you give up that others paid for because it will be more difficult to give it, get it back once you have given it up. If we don't think church is important right now, if we don't think it's needful to come to church right now, if we don't think it's something that's a priority in our life, there will come a day that somebody will look at us and say, it wasn't important to you then, why do you think it needs to be important to you now? Because if we give up spiritual things, then we're going to find ourselves one day looking back and wish that we had never given up that territory that had been paid for that maybe we didn't pay for. Come on, hear me. Don't tear down a fence until you first know why it was built. I stand up here on this pulpit today recognizing that I am standing on the shoulders and the foundation of men and women that have come before me, and I owe it to them to look at this particular time frame that I have been given and understand that I am a steward of the day that God has given to me, and thereby I need to practice, I need to defend, I need to build upon the foundation with the precious things of God that matter and make sure that they are as valuable to me as they were to them. My goodness. Let me move on. The wood, the hay, the stubble. Those elements that he said you can build on the foundation with. Now understand, he's saying you can build with the precious stones of gold, silver, and you can build with wood, hay, and stubble. Uh, but the, the wood, hay, and stubble, they, they would be consumed. They would be consumed by the fire, unlike the three other elements. They were the elements of the flesh, in other words, the elements of the world, things that pass away, false doctrines, the, the satisfying of, of self and sin. And then he said this, if you would please, in the next verse. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Every man's work, in other words, uh, every person's spiritual existence, who they are, what's really beneath the surface, in other words, will be revealed because of the day, the time. It's the time that it's going through shall declare it. It will show, in other words, what Paul was saying, the day is going to show what we are made of. It will reveal what we really believe. Man, I feel anointed in the Holy Ghost. Um, 
not just the hour. Do we see this in the word? You got to look at this. I need you to pray and ask God to help you to see this right now. Uh, it was not just the hour. It was not just a minute. It was not just a moment, but it was the day, the extended time of the day that was going to be revealing the fire of God, the judgment of God that would reveal ultimately what we are made of, what sort we are. For it will be revealed by fire and the fire shall try everyone's work of what sort it is. Therein, therein is the mercy of God at work through his judgment or his truth. The day, the elements, the fire, the pressure shall reveal what sort we are. Um, there's something about fire pressure, the stress and the strain of a trial that reveals the fault lines and the fractures of our life to demonstrate what is really authentic or not, what's really beneath the surface in our existence in God. Days, days such as the day that we are in that expose, that expose the real you and I and our desperate need of God. Everybody hang on for a minute. It's going to get a little sticky here for just, just a couple seconds. Um, for some time, we have been lulled into a spiritual stupor in our present world by our prosperity and our convenience. And, and when the heat's been turned on and the fire begins to purge us, we're finding it difficult to endure because we don't like the purpose and the process of the pain that it may bring because we have relied so much on conveniences and prosperity in our, in our land. But understand this, if you would, please. The fire of God's truth, hear me, would rather purify us to be saved for eternity rather than leave us unsaved in our complacency. I really believe that about God. It's a nature that we don't like to look at sometimes, but it's the nature that's still nonetheless the truth. That God will allow fire to come to our life for the salvation of our soul because he's more concerned about us being saved than us being comfortable in our complacency. Of what sort we are, in other words. We feel the heat of the moment, and it's revealing things in us that possibly we did not know were there. The Spirit is revealing things to us that we have depended on, and that they are not the things that will ultimately save us. I will tell you quite frankly, everybody hear me right now, that over the past few months, the Lord has dealt with me and, and revealed things in me that I did not know were there that I had to come to grips with, that I had to pray about. And as a matter of fact, on that front pew here yesterday, God dealt with me about something and revealed something in me and had me deal with it in prayer. And, and so I will tell you that, that uh, there's something unique about the particular time frame that we're in and the particular pressure and the judgment that we are in right now. Uh, no, it's not the final judgment, but it is a judgment nonetheless uh, that we are in that, that should be revealing things to us in the spirit about ourselves and about our lives. Possibly our opinions and, and feelings have brought voice to what is really in our heart. Things that, that we're not proud of. Things that, that we just didn't even know that they were even really there. But because of this particular time, uh, the fire, the day that we're in, all of a sudden we're feeling it, we're sensing it, we're seeing it now. Things that have made us draw lines. Everybody hearing me? Things that have made us draw lines and feelings and emotions and opinions about our brothers and sisters and the church, and about the world that God gave us. And suddenly we realize, or it should be that we realize, we need to repent. Because the remedy is not in continuing as we are in what we are. The only remedy 
For the, for the judgment of God is found through intent, sincere repentance. And not just the acknowledging of the sin, but the turning from the sin. Because it does little good, the word said, to be a hearer of the word, but not a doer of the word. Oh, I'm telling you, if you'll hear this word today, it's going to save your soul. It'll change your life. The things that have made us draw these lines, feelings and emotions, and suddenly we realize we need to repent because that wood, hay, and stubble will not make the structure of our life in God stand. We will not endure on fleshly things, on false doctrines, on beliefs of this world. They will pass away. They will burn with the heat of the trial of the judgment that we're going through. We need the gold and the silver and the precious stones of the word and of God's spirit. We need the truths and the doctrines of his word and his spirit so that we are able to build and endure the day because somebody hear me right now. Please hear me right now because the day is not done. I feel a prophetic word. I feel a word of knowledge to tell somebody the day is not done. We may be nearer to the end of it than we were yesterday, but we are not there yet. The day of the Lord, the day of the Lord that's going to come, it's not come yet. But the fire of judgment that we are in right now, we are not through it yet. It is not done. We need convictions. We need convictions that keep our carnality in check. We need a fire of truth that burns our tongue before we speak. Uh, we need a godly humility that we surrender our pride and our opinion to. We need a renewed love of God and the church that makes him more important than masks or politics or pride. I should have got a bigger amen on that. We need a love of God that's bigger than all that. Because there could be people that will go to hell because they're putting things, and I'm going to preach about it probably next week, so stick with me. There could be people that are putting things before God that should never be put before God. Because temporal things were never meant to be put before eternal things. Oh, God help us. There is no question that we are feeling the fire, but I do not think that we are feeling the fire. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? I think we're feeling the fire but I do not think that we are feeling the fire. Before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ever found their feet in a furnace of fire, they had already been tried by the fire to get there. Uh, we know that. We know that because there was two that were consumed when they threw them in the fire. But that was not even the fire that they went into. That was just the heat from the fire that they were getting ready to be cast into. But the, the fact was, each day of commitment and consecration while still in captivity, where it was not convenient and not the cultural norm to be who they were, yet still they served God faithfully. Do you understand that? There was a fire that they endured before they ever came to the fire of the furnace. There was something that they had to go through. If they could not endure that fire of the process to the furnace, then they would never endure the judgment fire that ultimately was in the furnace. That's why I say to you, I think we're feeling the fire, but I don't think we're in the fire yet. We may be walking through it and how we respond to the fire that we're dealing with right now, the judgment of God right now, it, it may determine no doubt how we will respond to the fire at the ultimate judgment that God brings on our world and in our life. Somebody needs to find out today. Somebody needs to find out today what sort your work is. Uh, what is it that's beneath the surface to know that your heart and soul are really committed to Jesus? 
Know this, please. Everybody hear me right now. I'm almost done. Know this, that if we do not declare, if I'm understanding the word correctly, what we just read, if we do not declare, if we don't declare, uh, if we don't declare who we are, what we believe, then the day is going to declare it for us. If the day that we endure declares what we are made of, uh, can I tell you, if, if we wait, wait and let the, the day do it, we may not like what we see. But if right now we will stand and, and like, let me refer to the, the Hebrew children. If we like them look and, and, and say to a, to a culture that says we have to bow, um, and I'm not talking about politics, I'm not doing that. I'm talking about spiritual things here. Uh, they looked and they said to the king, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we're not even careful to give you an answer about this. Why could they say that? Because they had already settled the issue before they ever arrived at that point. I'm asking somebody in the sound of my voice today, you need to find out what sort you are. You need to find out what's beneath the surface. You need to find out in who you believe. You need to find out in where you stand and what you stand in. Because we are not through the day. And we are not to the fire yet. We are feeling the fire. But we are not to the fire of judgment yet. And we need to know now and not wait till then. Um, somebody needs to find out what sort your work is. Uh, because if we don't declare it, the day will. What is, it that we, what is it that we're serving? Who is it that we are serving? Is it self or is it Jesus? Paul's wording was more than just an encouragement. I, I, I really believe it was an encouragement, but it was more than that. I believe the wording of Paul here to Timothy, I believe it was a warning. It was a warning that there's going to be fire. I believe he was looking at Timothy in a, in a long seasoned way. And, and he was saying to him, Timothy, I'm telling you, son, hear me. There's going to be heat. You're going to feel the fire. It's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult, but you can endure. You can endure if you build with the right things, Timothy, and it will reveal who we are and what we're made of. I believe that is you and I this day, that we are in the revealing of what we are made of and who we are serving and what we believe. There's a sense, I feel it in my spirit. I trust that you are as well. I've had some work done at my house recently. I didn't say this in the past two services or online. I've had some work done at my house recently and I've had workers that have had to come do things that I can't do and shouldn't do and wouldn't want to do because I would spend more money trying to do it myself. But every one of them, bar none, they all know that I'm a pastor and a preacher. They ask me what I do. I stand and talk to them. Bar none, every one of them have looked at me and said, you feel something going on? You feel like this is the end time? These are not godly men. These were men that checked their mouth when they were talking around me. These were men that when they found out what I believed and what I did, that they apologized to me for the vocabulary that they used. Bar none, every one of them looked at me and said, you think, you think this is what they said, the end time? They began to talk to me about the mark of the beast and the rapture of the church. Oh God, help us. If a lost world is sensing the moving of the Holy Ghost, then the church needs to wake up and stop petty bickering and do whatever it takes to get into the house of God and to secure the salvation of their soul, to stop playing a game with the things that God has given us and recognize that we must be saved at all costs. 
If people that are not living a life are looking at me and saying to you as well, what do you think's going on here? Then that should tell you that there's something deep resonating within the spirit and the soul of all humanity that the creator is moving. That's why he said that, that, that creation groaneth. That's what the word said, creation groaneth. You think it's happenstance that this groaning is taking place? No. No, why? Because when there is the gravitational pull of the spirit to the world, to the flesh, amen, it's the creator calling out to the creation and there cannot help but be this, this resonating response. Oh God, help the church to be the first to come to attention. Help the church to be the first one that comes to the line and recognizes this is our day. This is our moment. We must make sure what we are made of is the precious things of God. There's a sense that we're in that day spiritually. Can I tell somebody in the sound of my voice that spiritual integrity is being put to the test? Everyone's spiritual integrity is being put to the test. But even more so, everyone's spiritual integrity is being revealed. Because that's what fire does. It reveals. Our life presently and eternally depends on how we respond to this day in this time clock of God. The book of Lamentations, please. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. It's his mercy. It's his mercy that we're not consumed. Do we understand this? Because often we read this, this passage of scripture, and I do, I often quote it, I often pray it. I try to pray it every night, and sometimes I forget, but I try to remind myself of it. That on the day I, when I awake, should the Lord allow me to awake, or he uh, tarries, that I will awake and there will be new mercies that await me. And so there's a great comfort and peace that we take from this passage. But do we understand that this passage was not passive? It brings peace. It brings Hope, it brings a certain assurance. But do we realize that this passage was saying to us, here's God's judgment and here's God's mercy. And it's because of God's mercy that we're not consumed by God's judgment. Because the purity of who he is, if it were not for the mercy of God that filters out that judgment of God, do you realize we would be consumed? We would be, we would be gone. And so he was saying that the mercy of God holds back the judgment. It's time to get right. It's time to be saved. It's time to stop uh, thinking that all these other things matter. Can I tell you, they don't matter in the comparison of what matters eternally. That's what matters the most. That was the prayer of Paul. Do you understand this? That was the prayer of Paul, that he would count all things but lost, that he may win Christ and that he might be found in him. Because God is coming back for a church that is found in him. Not found in the world, not found in the things of the world, not found in all the other things we, we depend upon, but found in God. The question must be asked, what, are, what is it that's found in each of us? What's there beneath the surface? Because the truth of the matter is, our life depends on it. Our life presently and our life eternally of what sort we are. Come on, I need somebody to pray with me right now all over this house and, and where you're sitting out in your pews. This is, this is a time that somebody needs to make a decision and somebody needs to decide, I'm gonna live for God. I'm going to repent and be baptized in his name and be filled with his spirit. I'm going, to, I'm going to believe in God. I'm going to serve God. Come on, somebody lift a voice with me and pray right now. Oh, God, stir us up. Gift of God, stir us up. Conviction of God, stir us up. 
Don't leave me the same, God. Don't let me be lost. Whatever it takes, Lord, i got to be saved. Whatever I need to do, Lord, help me, God, to do it because I want it to be what sort I am is the sort that is founded for you, that I build with the precious things of the Holy Ghost, uh, not the wood, hay, and the stubble, but, but God, the gold, the silver, the precious stones, the foundation, the, the pillars, God, the things that may cost me something, but, but they're worth it because, God, there's nothing more important than my eternal salvation, that everyone's eternal salvation in the sound of my voice. God, all the things that we think are important, they may not be important. They may have their place, but they're not, they're not in front of you, God. And we seek you first in your kingdom and in your righteousness because all these things will be added to us that we need. So God, I pray. I pray that everyone, every person, every person here right now, they feel the unction of the Holy Ghost and it is stirred within them that God, they are no longer comfortable because God, you're returning soon and we must be saved. We cannot be lost. We must be saved, God. We must be saved. Come on. As they begin to sing this right now, I wonder if you'd stand to your feet and you would lift your voice and hearts to God and you would worship him and praise him as the sovereign God that he is. And you would recognize that the only hope we have is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah.